Hey everyone, thank you for joining me again for Sabbath School Commentary. This week's lesson is Lesson 13, Heaven, Education, and Eternal Learning. And it's the last week's lesson in this, the fourth quarter, on education. And it's a really good lesson. And I hope that I can share it with you in a way that will be a blessing and that will encourage you and your walk with God, but also to really dig into Scripture this week so you can be as prepared as possible for Sabbath school. So I want to begin this commentary in Sunday's lesson, which was entitled The Fate of the Dead. We're pointed to several passages of Scripture, John 6, 54, John 3, 16, 1 John 5, 13, 1 Timothy 1, 16, John 4, 14, John 6, 40, Jude 1, 21, Titus 3, 7. We're pointed to a swath of texts of Scripture that explicitly state that after we die, there is an eternal life to be attained. Okay? John 3, 16 God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. John 6 and verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. All of these texts that I've mentioned describe that there will be an eternal life given to those who believe, who eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, who drink the water of life, who see the Son of God and who commit themselves in true belief in Him. And so they, they say, a little bit about what it takes to achieve eternal life, but they, they all state explicitly that there is eternal life to be attained to by men and by women. This brings our attention to the fact that the life that can be achieved or the life that can be lived after the resurrection after the grave, it, it makes this life almost seem like nothing. So if you live 100 years on this planet, that's nothing in comparison with eternity. If you live 25 years on this planet, it's nothing in comparison with eternity. Even if you lived 500 years on this world, it would, it would be nothing in comparison to eternity. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but whenever you have finished a course or a career or a stage in your life and look back on it, it seems like it just, just flew by in a few moments. Everything seems like it's sped by when it's finished, when it's over. The longest life that any person can live and then die from or die to, it, it's going to seem like nothing in comparison with 
eternity. And so the life that we have access to, that's promised to us if we believe, it's eternal. It never ends. I've been to a few funerals where we buried young people, where young people had died, or a person had died at a young age. And one of the thoughts that everyone has at a funeral like that is, wow, they, they just didn't get to live much life. Their, their life was so short. And it's a tragedy. It's, it's really, really sad. And you think a five-year-old shouldn't die. A 15-year-old shouldn't be dying. A 25-year-old shouldn't have died. A 35-year-old, that's too young. It's not until a person's 85, 90 that they die and then we say something like, wow, they, they lived a good long life. But if you think about it, the difference between 10 years and 90 years is a lot less than the difference between 90 years and forever, right? If it's a tragedy for someone to live five years on this earth and then die, right? Because we think that they should have lived 90. How much more of a tragedy is it if someone lives 90 years on this life and then never attains to eternal life? Because that's what we were all destined for, is eternal life. Death is, a, is an invader. Death is, is a foreign agent that is snuck into, that has crept into our existence through our severing ourselves from our Creator God, through disobedience. And so, in the context of education, just think, how much can you learn in this life, like in this present life? You, you can amass a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom. You can learn a lot. How much can you learn in 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, 10,000 years? How about an infinite amount of time with, <laughs> in, in, a, in a perfect environment with heavenly intelligences who have intellectual capacity that far exceeds anything that we can imagine in, re in relationship with you. I mean, how much can you learn? It, it's unfathomable. And so think, think about it. We, we have eternity that we get to live in Christ if we have saving faith in the Son of God. I saw a man wearing a t-shirt once. It's just kind of a funny thing. He said, the t-shirt said, it's not that life is too short. It's that Death is so long. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And it, it captured the essence of what I'm saying in that, like, what's on the other side of the grave is a lot longer than what's on this side. And that would be a terrifying thing if we didn't have Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his intercession and his soon coming to save us into eternity, which we were made for, and we know that we were made for it. So, moving on from Sunday's lesson, uh, we get into Monday, and Monday points out to us that that eternal life that is going to be lived by the redeemed of earth is going to be vastly different to the life that we're living now. This earth, it's true. This life, it's true, provides us with a lot of pleasure and joy and satisfaction. Being a parent, oh, it's just so profound and beautiful and you get to enjoy so much raising little boys, little girls, 
caring for them, tending to them, seeing them progress and develop. How joyful is that? How wonderful is that? Coming home after a long trip away, seeing extended family and, and being able to embrace them. The satisfaction of a, of a job well done, a day well lived. And it, there's a lot of pleasure and joy and satisfaction that this world affords, but there's also an immense amount of pain and suffering and difficulty and tragedy and loss. And uh, it's a terrible thing. And uh, some people might think when they consider the gospel and the promise of eternal life that they don't want to live forever. Like I used to listen to a song written by a band named Queen when I was a kid, not because I was from their era, that they were from an era a few decades before me, but uh, their music was still around in my time and a song that I used to listen to. I'm not sure if this is the name of the song or just the, the chorus, but the, the song says, it just basically says, who wants to live forever? Who would dare to live forever? And uh, it's just questioning the notion of, of, of living forever. And it's questioning the notion of living forever because the life that we live now is so fraught with pain and difficulty and challenge. And even the best life is going to end in tragic loss. I've said it before, but death is an uncompromising foe. He's going to overcome every single one of us. No matter how rich you are, you can't buy your way out of death. No matter how smart you are, you can't outsmart death. No matter how beautiful you are, you cannot entice death or flat placate death. It, it doesn't matter how fast you are, you can't outrun death. Like It's going to get you and it's going to take you. And that's going to mean that your family loses you. Your sons will lose their father, their mother. Your mother will lose their son. You know, your sister will lose their brother, you know, whatever. It, it's terrible. It's, it's horrible. And that's, that's the best case. You know, you lived a good life. But what about people who are racked with genetic diseases and who are born in war-torn parts of the world and who lived an entire life of, of being oppressed and being abused, you know, this is, this is horrible. And so some people would question, well, why live forever? Well, the lesson points out that the existence that's promised to us is a new kind of existence, a freer, a fuller, a better life. And um, I want to read to you Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. The lesson refers us to that passage, but also 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. And I'm not going to read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 13, but it just talks about there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and the earth that we're in, all of the elements are going to dissolve with extraordinary heat, and, and they're going to pass away. We're going to enter into a new kind of existence, a new reality, a new physical world is going to be created, and one that doesn't carry with it all of the evils and the pains and the diseases of this world. And so Peter points out in that passage of Scripture, you know, what kind of persons should we be knowing that this is going to be the case? Or in other words, knowing that things are going to shift and change and transition into an eternal reality, what kind of life should you be living? You should be living the kind of life today that is going to prepare you for tomorrow, for that eternal reality that is destined to come. 
Um, and that, that's, that, that's going to be so terribly different as Revelation 21 verses 1 through 6 point out. But I wanted to throw that point in there, right? So if I'm going to exist forever, then what kind of life should I be living now? Or if my aim is to live in God's eternal kingdom, what kind of life should I be living now? Well, my life now should be a life of preparation for that life then, which makes this life pale in comparison. So let, let me not get too caught up in the affairs of this life. Let me not get too absorbed by this present world, lest I be distracted from the one to come. And so let my education be preparatory for that coming kingdom, that coming reality. So we're going to Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to read together verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without price. Wow, that, that's that's a vastly different reality. What in the world does the world look like with no death? And just look outside and see fallen leaves, and that's, the, that's a part of a world of death. A roadkill, uh, an animal that's been struck by a car laying on the side of the road dead, that's part of a world of death. What in the world does a world without death look like? How does it function? Wow, I don't know precisely how that works, but I definitely know it would work a lot better than this one. Death is such a part of our experience that it's virtually impossible for us to imagine a world without it. Now think about that. The equivalent would be a person who is blind, hearing another who's never had eyesight, has never seen, hearing from a person who does have eyes about color and how amazing and how wonderful and how awesome it is to see a sunset, right? To look at someone who you feel is very beautiful, right? Like, how do you explain color and seeing to a blind person? Like, just think about that. Like, seriously. Describe purple to a blind person they've never seen, right? That's, that's the equivalent of describing a world without death to a person who lived on this world, who was born into this world. No mourning, 
no tears. God would be dwelling with humanity in our midst. So no more pain. Eh, well, what's, what's that even mean? You know, <laughs> I know that after I've hurt myself, I've injured myself and I've endured pain for a good amount of time that I, I that relief, that relief of the pain going away, that would be amazing. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been in pain, but you got so used to it that you just forgot that you were in pain and then something happened that took that pain away and then you, 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 just, you just like felt a sense of relief, like, whoa, the pain's gone. I'd almost forgot that it was there. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. Death, pain, mourning, sorrow. This is the normal for us. How awesome to look forward to a world with none of it. And this is the eternity that's promised to those who love God and who are called according to His purposes and who crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts, who deny themselves, pick up their crosses and follow Jesus. What is it worth to us? I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Jesus says, unless you forsake your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Love not the world of the things of the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the world is in me, I know, and it's because I'm of the world, and the love of the world is in you because you're of the world. But may God grant us, through the power of the gospel, a disdain for this present world, not in the sense that we hate the trees, we hate the sun, we hate the moon, we hate the people, we hate the rivers, that's not what I'm saying, but hate the fallenness of this world, the corruption that is in this world and the way that it's caused this world to function. Hate it, despise it, not love it on any level and focus solely upon our future existence in the eternal kingdom of God that possesses none of the horrors of this present world. Tuesday's lesson is entitled, Then Shall We Know. This is a powerful quote by Ellen White that the lesson starts off with. It is awesome. It's from the book Education, page 301, and she says, Heaven is a school, its field of study, the universe, its teacher, the infinite one. A branch of this school was established in Eden, and the plan of redemption accomplished. Education will again be taken up in the Eden school. So school was opened, school started in Eden, but things fell apart. But the plan of redemption being accomplished, education will again be taken up in the Eden school. So the school of God that it began in Eden will be taken up again at the second coming of the Son of God. How awesome. How superb. The lesson points us to 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 1 Corinthians 4, 5, which respectively describe how God will open up to our minds things that we now cannot conceive of in the hereafter. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'll read here for you, verse 12. It says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. So there's going to be a veil taken off of our eyes. We will have new capabilities, new capacities. First John chapter 3, 
And verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. Now, Jesus post-resurrection had abilities that, that we do not have. He, he was fully flesh and blood human. You'll remember in Luke 24 when he's appearing to the disciples, he says to them, like, look at these wounds in my hands. Like, look at my hands, my feet, touch me, hold me, like, feel. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. Flesh and blood does not have hands like I have and flesh like I have. And so Jesus was a flesh and blood human, but you see him dematerializing and materializing at will um, and possessing some capabilities and having a capacity that we human beings don't presently have. And so on a physiological level, there's going to be a significant change. Now, we know we only use 10% of our brains, but what, what happens if we use 100 or 80 or 70? I mean, who knows what would be our abilities, right? It says we will be like him like at the end. And so obviously we're going to be able to know better than we know now because we'll have a, mind, a brain that works better, a body that functions better, and then we'll have an environment that's not marred and, and, and kind of skewed by the, by the fog that sin and rebellion have created. In 1 Timothy 3.13, it says that sin is deceitful. It's actually Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 says that we should encourage each other daily while it's called today, lest any one of us become deceived by the, or confused or bewildered or beguiled by the deceitfulness of sin. So sin is deceitful and it's had an effect on the planet. And uh, so when the change comes, when this mortal puts on immortality and this corruptible puts on incorruption, we're going to have an ability that we don't have. We're going to have many abilities that we don't have and, and capacities that we don't have. We're going to be like him. How awesome. How amazing. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, it tells us not to judge anything before the time, but wait till God, you know, brings all the secret and hidden things into judgment at the end. And so not only are we going to have new capabilities and abilities, and greater capacity for learning and knowing and understanding, we're going to have God sharing with us what we now don't have a information, knowledge, perspective that, that cannot be shared with us right now. Dude, how awesome is that? Then shall we know. So remember, lesson on Sunday, the fate of the dead. There's eternal life. That eternal life far outweighs the life that we're now living. That eternal life, according to Monday's lesson, and the Word of God is going to be completely different. New heaven, new earth, so much glory, so much goodness, so much happiness, so much health. And then um, we will know completely, fully, in ways that we now could not know, cannot know. And, uh, and then Wednesday's lesson is entitled The School in the Hereafter, and Thursday's lesson is entitled The Great Teacher. And so these, these two days' lessons, I'm just going to have to summarize for the sake of time, but just kind of point out the fact that we have eternity with Christ, the great teacher. You see his life on earth, he's always teaching. You know, good teachers teach because they're good, right? And they love, and they have a lot to share, and they want to see people you know, enjoy and, I don't know how to say it, enjoy their existence better by knowing more. Uh, you'll learn, you learn this, a simple expression of this is, 
is if you love mountain climbing or rock climbing or off, you know, mountain biking or surfing or snowboarding, and you really love it, you really enjoy it, and you got a friend that you really care for, and that person doesn't know how to do this particular activity or sport, and you know, how much do you want to teach them? How much do you want to guide them? How much do you want to help them? A ton. Why? Because you want them to enjoy all that you enjoy in doing this activity. And the more they know, the more they learn, the more they grow, the more happiness and fulfillment they're going to find in that respective recreational activity. And so good teachers teach because they're good and they love and they've got a lot to share and they want others to enjoy what they enjoy and know what they know and experience what they experience, you know? So Jesus is a great teacher and he's always teaching people about the kingdom, about himself, about grace, about love, about truth, about the law, about so much because he wants people to know and grow and be blessed and be happy and live an abundant life. And so just think about this. You, you, you've probably thought, boy, those disciples were lucky. Well, you're kind of lucky too because you have the Holy Spirit um, that's not bound in a physical flesh and blood body as Jesus was. And he, he's there and he's, you've got the scriptures and you've got the spirit to teach and to guide you into all truth. But you know, I've thought it, and I'm sure you've thought it, but it'd be better to have Jesus, you know, human being, person, right there teaching you, and he's God in human form. You know, how awesome that would be. Well, we get that to look forward to, and the lesson points this out, right? We, and it, it highlights a verse in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 6. It's, it's a verse that was one of my favorites when I first came to God, and it says, And one will say to him, What are these wounds in your hands? Then he will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. So a foreshadowing of a heavenly encounter is, is given to us in Zechariah. And, you know, this, this moment where a person who's been saved, but they didn't know the means by which they were saved, is conversing with the one who saved them through offering his eternal life on Calvary. And the, and the, and the saved being says, what, what, what's... Why are, you, why are you hurt? What, what happened to your hands? How did you get injured? What's these scars for? And, and then the Son of God replies, well, I was, I was in my friend's house. And that's, that's where I received the wounds. And so, yeah, you could, it's just beautiful. You can, you can count on the fact that eternity provides opportunity to interact one-on-one -on -one with the Son of God. And with the angels you get and with the angels, you get to, to interact with them and, and learn from them and hear from them all the stories, all the lessons of scripture from their from their perspective and of eternity. So yeah, that's something to look forward to. And that's something to prepare for. And that's something that's worth losing your life for. One of the best passages in all of scripture is Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. It says, Whosoever will save their lives will lose them. But whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospels will find it. One of the ways you find your life is through the eternity that you inherit at the resurrection of the dead. Obviously, you find your life in many other ways too, here and now, but as you can live eternity here and you can live eternity now in full assurance that you will have eternity then. But yeah, that's, that's a powerful verse to apply to all of this. So let us lose our lives in, in willing submission to the Savior and the King. 
And uh, in closing, I just want to read you this statement from the great controversy. It's very, very, very powerful. The years of eternity as they roll will bring richer and still more glorious revelations of God and of Christ. As knowledge is progressive, so will love, reverence, and happiness increase. The more men learn of God, the greater will be their admiration of His character. As Jesus opens before them the riches of redemption and the amazing achievements in the great controversy with Satan, the hearts of the ransomed thrill with more fervent devotion, and with more rapturous joy they sweep the harps of gold, and ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands of voices unite to swell the mighty chorus of praise. The great controversy is ended. Sin and sinners are no more. The entire universe is clean. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats through the vast creation. From him who created all flow life and light and gladness throughout the realms of the illimitable space. From the minutest atom to the greatest world, all things animate and inanimate. All things animate and inanimate in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy declare that God is love. Guys, this lesson is something to get excited about. Let us realize and understand that our education has just begun and that we get to learn forever. No, we won't be sitting on clouds with golden harps passing the eternal ages, doing nothing more than contemplating and meditating, who knows what. Eternity involves a kingdom, a glorious one, new heaven, new earth. And the universe itself will be our classroom. As Ellen White said, what was that that she said in that statement? She says, the universe, oh, it says, Heaven is a school, it's field of study, the universe. So we'll have the universe at our disposal. A perfect one to learn, to grow, and to know. We can travel, we can inhabit, we can build, we can learn, we can encounter, we can discover. Incrementally, step by step, growing more in the fullness of God's love and righteousness and truth and becoming more and more what God destined us to be fully free, fully satisfied, fully strong, fully healthy, fully capable, full of power and life and energy that never, ever ends, ever. May God keep us until the day of his second coming. And may we be saved from this present world. God bless you. And let's keep learning. Let's keep growing. Let's keep developing ourselves so that we will be found right in Him. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, have a great Sabbath school class and uh, a great Sabbath. Um, pray for us. We pray for you. Take care. See ya.